Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Most of these verses I'll read will be on the screen, but it is always good to bring a Bible to church. Bring them while you can. Mm. Some of y'all don't want to hear it. That, that, listen. If they're going to take books out of the library for being offensive, it's just a matter of time before they get the book. There's not a book that's ever been written that offends more people than this book I have my hand on right now. There's not a less tolerant book. There's not a less inclusive book. There's not a less feel-good, lovey-dovey, everybody's-going-to-heaven book than the book I have my hand on right now. And if they're going to start taking books away from people because it might hurt somebody's feelings, this book promises for itself, it's going to hurt your feelings. That's why sometimes you ought to say amen, and sometimes you ought to say ouch. We'll see where we're at today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, the apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to the believers in the city of Corinth, and he says in verse 1, Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ, Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Fight the Right Battle the Right Way. Uh, You're going to get it as we go. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I ask you now to anoint me, God, to say only the things that would honor you, God. I pray that you'd touch my mind and my body. Strengthen me, God, to Say what you'd have me to say, God. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you say to us today, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to us clearly from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to fight the right battle the right way. Every year that we've been a church, God has given me some thought, some area of focus, something to keep my mind focused and target on for that year. And our theme for 2021 is what? It's time. It's time. So many people have been living in gonna do land. As soon as their child graduates, they're gonna do. As soon as they sell their house, they're gonna do. As soon as they get the promotion, they're gonna do. As soon as they transition to the next phase of life, they're gonna do all these things for God. But I want to remind you today that procrastination is the lie of the devil and it is the thief of dreams. And if you allow your mind to tell you what you're going to do in the future, then it's going to keep you paralyzed from doing anything in the now. And we've got to learn how to embrace the now. We've got to learn how to 
do what God has called us to do. Because if I had a procrastination meter Y'all know I got a closet full of old meters. I just hang them on people's neck. If I had a procrastination old meter and I could just hang it on your neck and see, are you living in going to do land or are you living in today? I think we'd find out that the vast majority of people in this room and around the world, and I'm talking to born-again believers, are living in a life where they've convinced themselves they're going to do something better later. Have you ever thought that down the road you'll start studying the Bible more? Down the road you'll start giving more? Down the road you'll start serving more? Down the road you'll get back to where you used to be in Christ? Down the road you'll serve God like you know you ought to? That is all a setup for your failure. Because the devil can't stop you, but he can stumble you. He, he can't halt you, but he can hinder you. And he stumbles us and he hinders us by getting us to think that we'll do better Tomorrow. Guess what happens tomorrow? You can say tomorrow again. And then again and again. And, and I want you to hear me plainly this morning. you, you got to understand that days turn into weeks. And weeks turn into months. And months turn into years. And before you know it, you look around. You've been pastoring the same place for 20 years. Scratching your head wondering where did all that time go. And it's true for all of us. It's true for all of us. Time keeps moving on, and I want you, if you don't hear anything, hear this. Don't get to the end of your life wondering why you never got around to doing what God put in your heart to do. Start doing it. Start doing what God has put in your heart. Well, I'm going to do it, preacher. No, not with that attitude. You've got to start doing what God called you to do because it's a by-faith life. Everything about Christianity is by faith. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. Our hope is based on faith, and we walk from day to day on faith. you got to just start being who God called you to be. We're going to look at some things this morning from this text, and I want you to think about this concept of it being time. The Scripture said over 2,000 years ago, it's past time. It's, it's high time that, that we start doing everything that God has called us to do. The Scripture says we ought to wake up. You know, there's a time to get up, and, and I don't like it. Ooh, I am not a morning person. Let me say something to all you morning people. Uh, you bother me. I had to get that off my chest. I just had to get that off my chest. All you chipper in the morning folk on your third cup of coffee by 6 o'clock in the morning. Put that, put that third cup down. Uh, that's a different message for a different time. Calling me on the phone at 7.03. Oh, I didn't wake you, did I, Pastor? Oh, no, I went to bed an hour and a half ago. That's all the sleep I needed. I, well, how can I help you? I want to start calling people at 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning when I'm still up studying and praying. And ring, 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 ring. Oh, I didn't wake you, did I? Anyway, the Bible says that a loud greeting in the morning would be counted as a curse. I'm telling you, you have got to start, whether you're a morning person or a night person, waking up at some point and realizing it's time to draw a line in the sand. It's time to get on with the getting on. It's time to be and do all that God has called you to be and do. Because if you don't do it now, you probably never will. Now is the only time we have for sure. You just had an opportunity to worship God. Some did, some didn't. 
You've got an opportunity right now to let the Word of God speak into your situation and to your life and change you. And some will and some won't. Some people come to church and they think, oh, I just, God spoke to me today. Oh, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. I, I just, I, I had an encounter with the living God. Other people scratch their head and, you know, pick their teeth and think, eh, wasn't all that for me. Same message, same delivery, same noise coming from the speakers. Some people get it and some people don't. Why? Because the receiving is on your part. Are you ready to receive what God wants to say? Listen, it's time, but we've got a battle to fight, and most people are fighting the wrong battle. If you're fighting the wrong battle, then you can't win the right battle. And if you fight the right battle the wrong way, you can't even win the right battle. So we're going to talk about how to fight the right battle the right way. We're going to take these five verses of Scripture. We're going to go through them. I'm going to be a little teachy for you this morning. We're going to break this down and dig into it. Let's go to verse 1. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Then you see that hyphen. I tell you all the time, pay attention to the punctuation. It'll perfect your understanding of the Scripture. When you see different punctuations in Scripture, stop on those. Pause on those. Take that what's been said Break it up into bite-sized pieces. Get it down in your spirit so you can digest it and not just read it, but understand it. And not just understand it, but apply it to your life. Paul says, I appeal to you. And then he says, how? With the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Listen, when you're dealing with hard-hearted people, you got two choices. You can be soft with them. And, and, and hopefully just let them, you know, change as they want to. Or you can just hit them in the face with the truth and they'll hate your guts. Isn't that right, Pastor? The Bible says that if you correct a wise person, they will love you and grow wiser. But if you correct a fool, they will hate you. So Paul is trying to, uh, he's trying to ease up on these people. He's trying to come to them. And I want to encourage you, in your personal dealings, and see here Paul is having personal dealings with people. This isn't Paul preaching from the pulpit. And there is a difference in the life of the man or woman of God who is preaching from the pulpit than the way they interact with people. I remember when we first started. Uh, and, man, I, I know you remember. We were praying together every Tuesday. Uh, we, right before we started this church, uh, Pastor Gene and I, we were meeting uh, for months every Tuesday. And we were, pray we were praying with a group of people. But, man, if... if once he prays for 35 minutes, you ever been in one of the prayer circles where there's five people and everybody takes a turn to pray? Let me tell you something. If you want somebody praying for you, Pastor Gene Dillon is the praying as holy as most godly man I know. And he would pray and everybody else would just be like, thank you, God, for everything Pastor Gene Dillon said. But we were praying every week and started, started this church, and I was preaching hell hot, eternity long. We were slinging oil on everybody, laying everybody out, uh, until I realized the same people that were getting slobbed oil on last week, falling out, flopping like fish, were coming back for the same deliverance again next week. You say, Pastor Scott, do you believe in, in the anointing with oil and laying on hands? Absolutely. I, I got a bottle of oil there. I got a bottle of oil in my closet. I got a bottle of oil in my bedroom. I got a bottle of oil in my car. Yeah, I believe in it. Pastor God, do you believe in being slain in the Holy Ghost? I absolutely do. But let me tell you something. Somebody slobs oil on you, you get slain in the Holy Ghost. And if you go down one way and come back up the same way, that wasn't God. 
Because when God touches you, he changes you. But I was preaching hard and preaching long. I'm still preaching long. Sometimes I preach hard. But when Paul is dealing with people in a one-on-one, you got to understand he's coming with gentleness and kindness. Now, now here's what I see people come at me. You hear me boldly articulate the Word of God from the pulpit, and then you come at me like you're a warrior. Now, if you've ever sat in on any counseling session I've had, people come in and they get nervous right off the bat because they think I'm going to blast them with a bazooka between their eyes with both barrels of a 12-gauge shotgun with, with, with a slug in it, and they're shocked to understand, I'm just there to talk. You set the appointment, I'm just there to talk and love on you and try to encourage you, and you come at me hard, and I've had people in our church, I've had to tell them, don't, don't be so so rough with people. Well, Pastor, what about what you say from the pulpit? There's a different way to preach from the pulpit than it is to deal with people in your interpersonal relationships. God has commanded me to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort the Scripture. God has commanded me to tell the truth and make no apology for it. But here Paul, who is by every account a hardcore preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he said, I'm appealing to you with gentleness and kindness. There's a way you need to approach people, and I'm going to give it to you in two words because some of y'all need to hear this clearly today. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Soften up. Soften up. You're not the end-all, be-all. Soften up. You're nobody's judge. Soften up. You're, you're nobody to tell somebody else what they should or shouldn't be. Well, you do it, Pastor. I, when I'm in this pulpit, God has ordained me, appointed me, and called me to preach the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to live how you want to live outside of, of this place? You do you. I've never come to your house and told you what you shouldn't, shouldn't do in your own house. I come to some of y'all's houses and see you doing stuff you shouldn't be doing and just like, hey, everybody's got something. Paul said, read the writing of Paul. Paul told these people, he said, your judgment of me means nothing to me because I have a greater one that judges me than you do. If you ever could understand, if we all could come to the understanding that God knows how to judge his own children, we could take a break. I told you the message I preached one time, if you leave me alone, maybe God will fix me. Telling other people, Unless you're doing it, ordained and called by God in the church setting, commanded by God to rebuke people, telling other people what's wrong with them and how they need to live their life is a setup from the devil and you participate in his plan when you do that because when you're checking other people, you're not checking you. And the scripture says to examine yourself. So we got, a lot of, we got a lot to learn this morning. I'm going to keep moving. Paul says, I'm coming to you in gentleness and kindness. And then he switches it on him. Though, y'all see that switch? <laughs> he, he says, I'm coming to you in gentleness and kindness. Though, I realize you think I'm a, I am timid in person and only bold when I write from far away. Now, Paul, by all accounts, is, is the greatest pen God ever used to write scripture. God used this great apostle to write half the New Testament. And this man was, con- he wrote lots of stuff that didn't even get put in the Bible. He was constantly writing and being used by God to speak through writing into people's lives. But he says, You, he says, I realize you what? 
you think. Say think. You don't know. You think. You think you know, but you don't know. You, they thought they knew, but they didn't know. Some of y'all think y'all know different things about different people who are in this room. Well, you know, I just think Elder Jimmy should wear socks to church. Are, are there socks on under there? Well, see, somebody, say, somebody right now is saying, I just think Elder Jimmy shouldn't wear his wife's socks that don't stick up above his shoes. <laughs> No-show socks. Said it on the, on, the, on the bag, didn't it? No-show. Yeah. God help him. Hey. If he wants to wear those, see, I could make all types of a, a song. What do I think about a man who wears no-show no socks? Does it command me in the Bible anywhere to have an opinion about somebody who wears no-show socks? People walk around thinking that they know someone else. Do you realize you are not in a position to judge anyone else's heart? And when you make yourself the judge, you stop allowing God to be your judge because you kicked him off the throne. I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me. Y'all so cold in here. Go ahead and turn the air off for everybody didn't bring a jacket. People starting to act cold. Make it one degree hotter in here. Somebody do it. I can do it. it you know, push the button. Praise the Lord. Paul said, you think. You think. You think I'm a timid person. See, here's where they made their mistake. They started making estimation about somebody else when they weren't where they need to be. Now, there is a time and a place for Christians to make judgment. The Bible says a spiritual person judges all things. The, the, the Bible says that once you get that big old giant log out of your eye, then you should go and tell somebody else about the speck they've got in their eye. But I came to tell you, I've been pastoring this church for 20 years, and from what I see around me, uh, there's not enough log removal going on for any speck inspecting to be going on. He said, you think I'm timid in person. They, they don't know. This is the same dude that went and had Christians killed for no other crime than being Christian. But they saw stuff in him they didn't like. He said, you think I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. See, there were haters out there. Paul, Paul had his haters. He, he had people saying, yeah, he's tough in writing, but I've seen him. He ain't that much. He, he writes like, like a champion, but mm, he, he, he doesn't even speak that great. I'm not, I'm not going to preach all the way to verse 10, but look, put verse 10 on the screen for me, Elder. 2 Corinthians 10.10 10 says, for some say, for some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak and his speeches are worthless. They're talking about the great apostle. They're talking about the man that God used to shake multiple continents for Christ. They're talking about a man that God picked up himself matured himself, saved by himself. The scripture asks a poignant question. Who are you to judge another man's servant? 
Paul's out there serving God. These people are flaky to begin with, and, and they're saying, uh, in, his, in his personhood, you know, he, he's weak. He, he, see, Paul, if, if you study even the meaning of Paul, he, he, he was a, a short man. He was small in a nation of short people. And see, me and you could move over there and we'd be giants. I say that because <laughs> me and Elder Jimmy are the exact same height. Uh, that's why one week I'm taller than him and one week he's taller than me based on the shoes that we're wearing. So, but this is a small group of people, and Paul was small among small people. And they were bad-mouthing him. They, they were looking for things to critique him on. They were saying, well, you know, he, he's, he, he don't look like much in person. He's all bold in writing. But when I see him, he, he looked kind of weak to me. Do you think that's a judgment of the flesh or a judgment of the spirit? Let me tell you, every judgment you make is a judgment of the flesh because you can't see the spirit. That's why the Bible says man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. They're judging this man uh, for some things he couldn't control, some things that he could control they were judging him for. What else? They said he had bad eyesight. He said of himself he had an eye problem. He, so what are they going to do? Here's a man preaching holiness. Here's a man preaching righteousness. Here's a man preaching no other way but Christ. Here's a man preaching hell hot and eternity long. So they got to find something wrong with him. They got to find something wrong with him. I told you many times, uh, Pastor Gene, people come to Abundant Life, and the first thing they all say is, I just like, I just like the preaching. It's real. It's raw. It's, it's, just, it's right there. It, it, it's, it's, it's relevant. Uh, I, I like the straightforward, straight truth, no chaser. It's like a cup of water in a dry and a thirsty land of no real preaching going on. And, and they say that for about a week and a half. Maybe some three weeks, a month, six months, a year. But eventually, they make that turn. You know what I'm talking about. They make that turn to, well, who does he think he is? He already told us he's a train wreck with all kinds of problems. He already told us, he, who is he to tell me? So what happens is, when I'm handing out the same message, when I'm preaching the same way from the same book about the same God that wants to deliver you from whatever you're going through, and when I'm preaching and you feel like I'm talking to those around you, preach, preacher. Oh, that's what the world needs. The world needs somebody to say, stop doing that, straighten up and fly right. Preach at them, preacher. But when you feel like the word has landed on you, That cup of cold water that you thought was refreshing now feels like a cup of cold water splashed in your face. And now you're mad and you're upset about the same book, the same message, the same preacher. Oh, it was good when you first heard it because you thought I was talking to somebody else. When you finally realized I was talking to you, you got mad. Well, you can get happy in the same pants you got mad in. Or you could stay bitter and hateful. Oh, if I had enough spirit-filled folk in the room right now, I'd just take the offering and go home. I told y'all one of these days we're going to come in here so close to God that the, 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 the spirit-filled people, the, the strong in Christ people are going to outnumber the weak people, and I'm only going to have to preach for about three minutes, and we're all going to get it just by the Spirit. I'm going to keep preaching for heady, high-minded folk, though, today. Paul had his haters. 
They, they said, I think he's weak. I think he's soft. I mean, his speeches are worthless. Uh, how are you going to say that about the man of God? I hear people talk about men and women of God, and I just look at them and shake my head. And I'm thinking, you really find yourself in a position to be all that? You really think that's your job in life right now? Oh, man, some people got some growing up to do. But they, Paul, they hated him. What he, he never got his healing. Walked around telling other people to get healed. Walked around preaching about healing. Walked around telling people God was a miracle worker. Never got his own healing. Does that make Paul weak? Does that make Paul deficient? Well, it depends on who you ask. Because if you ask a mature Christian, you'll say, well, God told him that his grace is sufficient. And God knew what he was doing. And God was working something in Paul's life. And that's between Paul and God. But if you ask a weak Christian or a hateful church member, false brethren, lying, hypocrite, non-Christian who just holds down a church seat every week, you ask them, does that make Paul? Yeah. Why well, he didn't get healed? That's between him and God. Here's a better question. Why haven't you been healed? Here's a better question. Why are you still where you are? So here's Paul doing everything God's called him to do, fighting a good fight. He, he, he finished well, which ought to be everyone's goal. And you got these people saying, well, you know, not, not, his writing's okay. But I don't like his preaching. And there was this battle in the first century. And that's why people say the more things change, the more they stay the same. Even back then, they were saying, well, you know, that Apollos. Now, there's a preacher. Apollos was a tall Greek dude who had a lot of philosophy and a smooth tongue. Uh, I don't trust them folk. I don't trust them folk. Don't, 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 be, don't, don't, don't be tall and good looking. Be average height and good looking. Join my club. It's so funny. I, I never, I met Gail in 1975. I never heard her say anything bad about anyone. She never had an enemy. She never had a fight. She never lost a friend. She grew up in the same house her whole life uh, from the time she was five years old uh, to the time she moved out of her mom and daddy's house, they still live in the same house. Just a picture of stability. The closest I ever heard her uh, come to saying something uh, about somebody that wasn't flattering is when I told her, you got to come listen to this preacher. Man, I had not completely given up on TV preaching, which for the record, in case you haven't heard me the 27 million times I've said it, I wouldn't waste three minutes watching preaching on TV. Wouldn't do it. I'm not going to watch somebody have a 30-minute television show and spend 29 minutes begging for money so they can stay on the air to beg for more money next week so they can stay on the air to keep begging. Now, if your favorite preacher preaches on TV, you do you. I'm talking about me. But I hadn't been fully delivered from, from, from t TV preaching, and I was watching this dude, and, man, he was good looking. He was sharp. He was articulate. He was brilliant, intellectual. He, he, he could preach so good. And I said, you got to hear this preacher. And she, she came in the room, sat down for, for less than five seconds, maybe ten. And she said, he's too pretty to trust. And she just got up and went back to the kitchen. And I thought, well, what are you saying about me? She said, there's a difference between pretty and handsome. Babe, you're, you're handsome. Uh, but it was Clarence McClendon. She sniffed him out because she said his hair was too pretty. 
And if you don't know what else she found out about them, watch Preachers of L.A. or, or just Google how to train wreck a church. People were looking at Apollos and they are saying, oh, now that's a real pre Paul, he ain't much. Short, fat, half blind, can't get delivered. And he works outside the church. What kind of apostle? Now, if you read, if you read the Bible, you're going to find out there was a lot of time God inspired Paul to write what he wrote. And God inspired Paul to write down defense of his apostleship. So the haters would know God is behind what the Apostle Paul is doing. And they were, they were saying, well, I don't know. I can't follow no apostle that, that, that owns a tent-making business. Peter don't have no tent-making business. What about James? He, he don't work outside the church. God, Paul was doing what God called him to do, and he had haters out there thinking that they knew something about him and bad-mouthing him. What am I telling you? There's always going to be haterade. I told you for 20 years, uh, there's always going to be haters because haterade is free. And somebody's always pouring it, and somebody's always drinking it. I'm going to tell you, I've told you before, if you want to hear the voice of God. Now, I don't really, some, some of them I trust. Most of them, I think, you know, have, have emotional issues. But when somebody tells me, when they get that look on their face, Pastor Scott, I was deep in my word. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That when you get that stink face in your mouth. And God sat down on me, and he spoke to me. I messed with him. I was like, what did he say? <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Why are these all spooky people always speaking to King James? <laughs> you know, God's been around longer than the King James Version of the Bible. Thus saith the Lord. And then they give some whack, crazy thing that they say God. Now, listen, I'm not saying God can't speak to you. God speaks to people. God speaks to people from his word. God speaks to people from people. God can speak to you from an animal. God can speak to you from a cloud, a vision, a dream, whatever. But I'm going to tell you again what I've been telling you for 20 years. I want to show you what it sounds like. You want to hear God speak? This is what you're going to, if you really ever really want to hear God speak clearly with no chance of it being bad pizza, too much hot sauce, or indigestion. I had a dream last night. It was the Holy Ghost. Where'd you eat before you went to bed? Taco Bell. You get that hot and spicy sauce put on there? If you really want to hear the clarion voice of God, I'm going to show you one more time. 29 million times I showed you in the past. I'm going to show you one more time and let you hear what it sounds like when God is speaking. You start turning the pages in this book, you're going to hear God speak. It, it's not going to be confused with your emotion or your indigestion or your insomnia. You start turning the pages in that book and you'll hear the clear voice of God. I will show you the other side of that. You want to know what it sounds like when the devil's speaking? Told you 28 million times already. I'm going to tell you again. Here's what it sounds like when the devil is speaking. Oh, girl, you ain't even going to believe this. Did, did you hear about Pastor so-and-so? Oh, did you hear what Sister So-and-So was doing at church? Oh, I was at food and clothing, and I saw such a... That's what the devil sounds like. Here's what the devil sounds like. Nah, he's all right, but he ain't all that. That's what the devil sounds like. 
And if you are the one saying it, then you got the devil in your mouth. And if you are the one listening to the one saying it, then you got the devil in your ear. But either way, you're too close to the devil and not close enough to God. I've had people come to me through the years and, and, and just, just weeping and crying. Pastor God, I just don't understand it. I don't know why. It just seems like every time I just turn around, somebody's just gossiping, telling me horrible things. I don't want to hear these things. I look them in the face and say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And some of y'all have heard me tell it. And I tell them this to their face. The only thing people regularly put trash in is a trash can. Stop being a trash can for other people's hate. Stop being a trash can for other people's sin. Stop being a trash can for other people's gossip. They're sitting around saying all these things about Paul. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're saying. He knows he's about to show up and see these people in person. He told them, look here. You're saying that I'm strong in letters but not strong in person. Don't make me get strong on you when I show up. The Bible says to touch not God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. There, there's a fine line between telling the truth about somebody and saying things about them that God is going to come at you for. These people, they didn't like him. They, they had their own reasons. They, they thought that it was his fault that he didn't get healed. They thought it was his fault that he had bad eyesight. They thought it was his fault that uh, he, he didn't have enough money to live on, so he had to work outside the church even though they were giving him all that they had, they were hating him. What did Jesus say about haters? Marvel not if the world hates you, they hated me first. If you never had somebody hate you, you probably ain't lived for God long enough. Because if you ever really get fully blown out, sold out, committed to God, you're going to ruffle some feathers. Anybody agree with that? Let's, let's keep moving. In verse 3, he said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Let me tell you something. I already said it earlier. I want, to, I want you to hear it again, though. What you see with your eyes is external. Well, I don't just see with my eyes. I feel it on the inside. I've got discernment. No Z in that word, discernment. I've got discernment. I, I, I flow in the gift of a prophet. Uh, listen, a prophet is somebody who beats themselves up regularly so they don't go out and beat you up all the time. You, you, you don't flow in the gift of a prophet if you're always correcting everybody but yourself. They, 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 they were judging him, and they, they, they thought there was no repercussion. Paul said, look, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. One translation says, though we're, that though we're only human, we're not just human. We got spiritual things that we can war with. We don't war with human things. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, that word flesh it comes from a, a, a root word for almost all of our understanding of the word carnal in old versions of the Bible. It's that, it's that uh, base instinct on the inside of you. It's that desire to do wrong. Anybody? Oh, I, I'd love it. I'd love it just to see. Anybody in here ever do wrong? Eight people didn't raise their hand. I counted them, eight. Two of them just raised their hand. Three of them now just raised their hand. There five people in the room didn't raise their hand. You act like you never did anything wrong. 
We all are covered in this flesh. The Bible says we have the treasure of God's spirit inside these earthen vessels. As long as we live in this flesh, we're going to have difficulty. We're going to have issues. But the trick of the devil is to get you to focus on somebody else's issues and not your own. That's why I say it's time to fight the right battle the right way. The battle that you need to fight is not the battle for Elder Jimmy to get his road rage in, in control. Might help, though, wouldn't it, Nancy? That's not your battle. That's his battle. If you're worrying about something, well, Pastor Scott, I'm just appalled. Oh, here we go. You're using words you can't even spell. Why are you appalled, Mrs. Jones? Well, I was shocked, astonished, and appalled that brother so-and-so, I saw him smoking at a red light. Did you now? I just assumed that he was completely delivered. See, if you tell me, see, if you tell a trash can that, they'll just gobble it up and ask for more. If you tell me that, I'm going to ask you, are you completely delivered from everything? I'm appalled, shocked, and astonished that you're wasting the few moments of time we have together in life to gossip about somebody else that you're never going to stand in judgment for. The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ ourselves. The Bible says we all must stand naked before him with whom we have to do. There's no excuses to hide behind. The devil wants you to nitpick him, her, the other one, this one, that one, and the other one, so you never let God put his finger on your pulse you got to learn to fight the right battle the right battle is not the other person's battle it's your battle the right battle is not the other person's issue it's your issue well I just can't have any peace in my life because my children are driving me crazy if you can't get peace from God it ain't your children's fault well, I just can't pray good because, you know, living under the roof with this unsaved husband. Who married him? Well, I just can't get, I, I, I just wish I didn't have to deal with, listen, the Bible says there's always going to be trouble. God told us through Peter to consider it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Not which might, but what is, it's coming. There's only a couple of places you're going to be in life. You're going to be in the middle of a storm, just coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go into one. Either way, buckle up and hold on to God. Oh, man, I've never been. Elder Jim was telling a story about uh, how he foolishly took his son's life in his own hands behind the steering wheel of a boat that wasn't, had, a, had a, a wind and storm advisory out that he knew he was violating. Wasn't a lot of boats out there, was there? Zero. Well, there was one. There was one. There was a 19-foot boat out in, in, in nine-foot seas, hard chop, wind blowing, howling. He's riding like George Clooney and Marky Mark in the perfect storm, straight up and splashing down, so much so that his Navy son said, Dad, we need to turn around. Wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do, but that's what he chose to do. Now, if I spend my whole week thinking, what would have happened if that boat would have capsized? He would have killed his son. He'd had to live with that, that painter. Why, why am I just wasting my time thinking about other people's situation? I'm going to tell you why. 
because I'm prey of the devil. And I've allowed the devil to captivate my mind in somebody else's battle. That's his battle. That's his thing. You got your thing. How much time do you spend dealing with your thing? I'm going to tell you, if you spent more time letting God deal with your thing, you wouldn't have your thing. But you got to learn to fight the right battle the right way. Let's keep moving. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Let's look at it. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare. Let's just stop right there. That few word, those few words alone tell us that we are in a war and we have what? We're in a war and we have weapons. Your war is not with another human being. God told us in the book of Ephesians, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against human beings. We wrestle against issues, and we wrestle against spiritual darkness. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're they're not fleshly. They're not just human, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, Paul is speaking to Christians in this verse. So guess which type of people have strongholds? (gasps) Really? Yes, really. Christians have strongholds. Stuff don't start off as a stronghold, starts off as a toehold. You stub your toe on something. Because here is the trick of the devil. The devil, listen, the devil's not going to make somebody who's fired up in love with God, reading the Bible three hours a day, praying all night long. The devil's not going to get somebody who shares their faith every day when they leave their house with somebody because they want to see uh, souls saved. The devil's not just going to get that person uh, from that day to smoking crack that night. It's just not, that's not the transition that happens. You don't go from fully fired up in Christ to just homeless drug addict the next day. The, the devil can't, he, he can't trick people like that. You can't trick someone with, with that big of a fall. You can't get someone to say, well, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and enter into a world of full-blown, riotous living. No, that's not the way the devil does it. The devil is more subtle than any beast of the field. The devil always mixes some truth with a lie. He always tells a good lie, a believable lie, and he tells, he tells you, well, just get out near the edge. You're saved in Holy Ghost field. You're not going to jump off, but just hang a toe. Take a look. Oh, you're hanging five. Why not just go ahead and hang ten? Now you're leaning off the edge. But you're not jumping in the cesspool yet. You just look. But why are you leaning off the edge? Why are your toes off the edge? Why do you walk close enough to it? Because you don't fear it enough. Because you think you're stronger than you are. The Bible says that, that you should not think more highly of yourself than you ought. And take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Man, when I'm, in a, when I'm in a tall building, that building we stayed at in Miami, that had that rail around it, we could look straight down. We were on the 35th floor. And this thing, had it was an embassy suite. No, it was a, a double tree. And it had an atrium, which meant all the, all the, the hallway went around the outside, and there was a hole all the way down to the bottom where the, where the garden was. Off any floor in there, including ours, you could lean over that rail I'm putting this foot back already, and it's just here. You can lean over that rail and look straight down. My kids are looking over there, and I'm like, I don't need to look at that. I don't need to look at that. See, I, I, you say, oh, Pastor, are you scared of heights? 
But I'm not scared of heights. I'm just, I just don't favor the fall. It ain't even the fall. I'm worried about it. It's a sudden stop at the bottom. And I'm one of those guys that just, if I, if I grab that rail and lean over and look, all this region right here just goes, because I'm smart enough to know I can't fly. I'm smart enough to know if I lose my balance and go toppling over that rail at 224 pounds, that's going to make a horrible splat at the bottom. So why do we stand so close to the edge of sin? Because you don't believe it's going to hurt you. And I told you and I told you and I'll tell you again. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. You start hanging your toe off the water. devil's going to grab hold of that toe and he's going to keep you on the ledge. But he ain't just going to keep you on the ledge forever. He's going to pull you from hanging five to hanging ten. He's not just going to have a toehold on you. He's going to make a stronghold on you. He's going to grab your entire leg and start pulling you down, and you're going to find out that you were not strong enough to play with what you thought you could handle. We, we're in a war, but we've got weapons. We've got weapons that have purpose. We've got to have the right weapon, fight the right battle for the right purpose. Well, the weapons that we're talking about here are mighty weapons in God. Not in you. This whole self-empowerment movement, new age philosophy that these fake preachers are preaching on television, saying how strong and mighty you are and powerful you are and stand up and recognize you're the very image of God. Do you even know who you are? Do you even realize that in your flesh dwells no good thing? Do you even realize that God saved you when you didn't deserve it? Do you even realize that, that we are still capable of heinous acts? The Bible says these weapons are strong in God. you got to have your, your, your body, mind, soul, and spirit wrapped up in God to pull down these strongholds. I want you to know there are people with strongholds in this room. And if we had enough time and enough honest people in this room, we could just go around past the mic and you could tell us what your stronghold is because you have one or two or 200. Mm. Six people thinking in their mind right now, well, what is your stronghold? If you had any honesty, I'd make you stand up right now and admit you were thinking it. What is your stronghold? There you go again. Just getting jerked. The devil just jerking your chain into the wrong lane. You're worrying about somebody else's fight. I've been standing up here for 30 minutes telling you you got to fight the right battle the right way. The battle for you to fight is the one that you're in. And you got to get these strong weapons in God so they can begin to pull down these strongholds. It says in verse 5, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here's a question. Who makes arguments against the knowledge of God? Christians. No. Yes. Well, how dare they? Well, how dare you? But I don't, but you do. These arguments, these high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God can, can be summed up in the two words Paul used in the previous verse, I think. Do you know when that comes out of your mouth, you're already in the wrong lane? Well, I think. No, this is what I think. Well, my truth. 
I already told you, stop talking about your truth. Nobody possesses truth but God. Stop worrying about what your truth, her truth, and the other person's truth is and get in the right battle fighting the right way so you can finally win and understand there is a truth that needs to be applied to every situation. And all that high-minded thinking about your truth and what you think is pride. And if you don't know what God says about pride, he resists the proud. Well, I'm not proud. I just know what I know. I can't even help a person like that. I can't even give enough scripture to a person like that. And, and, and I just have to do, and I'm going to tell you, it's hard for me to do it. Some things in God come easy to me. Some things come hard. That's just being honest. One of the things that comes hard for me is when the Bible says, if anyone will be ignorant, let them be ignorant. I've been trying to help. I know you've been right there with me every step of the way. Just trying to help some ignorant folks stop being ignorant. Some people want to change. Some people don't. I hear folks say, these doubters and these haters that don't believe God can heal people. Well, if God gives the gift of healing, why doesn't so-and-so go to every hospital and just heal all the sick people? Well, because probably uh, the so-and-so you're talking about is following Jesus Christ. Jesus never went to hospitals and just healed everybody. You got to want deliverance. You got to seek deliverance. You got to want it for yourself. When Jesus, this, this is the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus of the Bible walks up on blind people that he knows are blind and asks them, what do you want me to do? You're wondering when somebody else is going to get their life right, but you don't want to wonder when you're going to get your own life right. This proudness that, that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God with, well, what I think and what I see and I'm discerning and, and I'm prophetic. Listen, you're fighting the wrong battle. and You can't win the right battle when you're fighting the wrong battle. Christians making arguments against what God says. Then he goes on to say, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What type of people is God talking to in verse 5? Christians. Christians can let their mind get proud and puffed up and war against what God's trying to tell them. Christians can have thoughts that are not obedient to Christ. <gasps> no. <gasps> yes. Do you believe Christians can have thoughts that oppose God? If you don't wake up and look at yourself, you're fighting the wrong battle the wrong way. We've got to begin to fight the right battle the right way. God commands us here and in many other places, in many other ways, that we must bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When your thoughts are put, well, Pastor Scott, I can't help the way I think. Yes, you can. Well, I can't control my thoughts. Yes, you can. Here's the bigger issue. The, all, all the, listen, it is hilarious. I see people's social media. They, they, they write the wildest things about their own lives. I'm a free spirit. I just want to reply to all free spirit, a free thinker. I'm just creative. I want to reply to all those people so you know you're going to die and go to hell forever, and you're just stuck in your own way. 
I, there are people in this room right now that if I had enough time and, 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 and some truth serum on you, if I had some sodium pentothal, I'd tie you down to a chair and shove all of it in your arm and make you tell the truth. And, and you would just have to admit you don't want anyone controlling your thoughts. Well, my private thoughts are private. And they're my own. And I'm just not giving up. Listen, until you give God free reign and free access into every area of your life, including your private thoughts, you're never going to be everything that God wants you to be. And you're never going to learn how to fight the right battle the right way. You're trying to hold Well, my thoughts don't hurt anyone. They're hurting you. And the Bible says that we're all members of one body. And, it, and it, when, when one part of the body is sick, it affects the whole body. And you got to understand that I, it's like I told you last week. If you are saved at all, the Bible says you're not your own. You're a purchased possession. You've been bought with the price of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He owns you lock, stock, and barrel. He owns you body, soul, and spirit. He owns all of you, including your thoughts. And yes, God expects, demands, and commands you to take your thoughts captive and start obeying God even in your thoughts. Well, I just don't know if that is possible. Let's hear what the Word says. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Well, I just believe God put me on this planet to put everybody else in check and to make sure that this, everybody, no, he didn't. He didn't. Get your own life, get your own mind right, get your own, fight the right battle the right way. Because if you're being dominated by the sinful nature, then you are thinking about sinful things. And the inverse is true. If three plus two equals five, then two plus three equals five. If you're being dominated by your sinful nature, you're thinking about sinful things. We can invert that. If you're thinking about sinful things, you're going to be dominated by the sin nature. But here's your transition. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Oh, if you just started concentrating on what pleases the Spirit. Does your gossip please the Spirit? Does your criticism, condemnation please the Spirit? Does your negativity please the Spirit? Does your haterism please the Spirit? Does your lack of personal holiness please the Spirit? Does your, your addiction please the Spirit? Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Well, let's invert that and hear, hear it like this. Those who think about things that please the Spirit are controlled. By the, you want the Holy Ghost to control you? Here's the problem. I just heard screaming in my mind when I asked that question because a lot of people don't. There are people in this room right now that if God stepped into this room and said, would you like me to control you by my spirit? Nah, I'm good. I got my own relationship with your father, Jesus. don't need you or the Bible or pastors, teachers. Apostles, prophets, none of that. I got my own hook. There are people that are so proud and puffed up. And the stronghold has become so oppressive in their life that they can't even admit that they're self-controlled, self-willed, and don't want God to control them. Those are, y'all, how many of y'all, 
14 of y'all didn't even see that dude that walked in and walked out and stayed here for less than eight seconds. Y'all pray, y'all pray that God would release that man from the demonic oppression that he suffers. I don't even understand. Let, let's just pray for him. God, I, what, what's his name, Cheryl? Paul. Let's just pray for Paul. God, God, I pray for Paul right now in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray that by your spirit you would just fall on him right now, God. I pray that you would cast out every devil that's in him, God, and I pray that you would let him see your love, your grace, your mercy, and your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are so proud of who you are and the growth that you think you've had in Jesus that you can't even fight the right battle the right way because you are so controlled by what you focus on that is not what God wants you to focus on. Listen to verse 6 in Romans 8. So letting your sinful nature control you leads your mind to death. Why do you think you struggle so hard? Why, why, why do you think that depression's got a grip on you? Why do you think you feel hopeless and helpless? Why do you think you feel like pulling your hair out at the end of the day? Why do you think that you have so many issues that you have to deal with? Because you're letting your sinful nature control you. Your sinful nature is controlling you when you're thinking on sinful things. So you got to fight the right battle the right way. you got to get to these thoughts because it leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We used to sing a song in the old church. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace, love, and joy like a river. I've got And we can't even sing those songs anymore. You know why? Because people's peace coming out of a bottle. There are people claiming the name of Christ can't get to sleep at night without medicating themselves. Can't get up in the morning without medicating themselves. Why? Because they are controlled by thoughts that think about things that don't honor God and His Son and His Spirit. And their mind is going in the wrong direction because they refuse to take their thoughts captive. But if you ever let the Spirit control your mind, you are going to have life and peace. When we named this church Abundant Life, we did it because the Bible says Jesus came so that we could have life, and not just life, but a more abundant life. The reality is most people, and I'm talking about saved people, are not living. They're just existing. Just, just existing from Monday so they can get up and exist on Tuesday. Not living, not loving, not embracing all that God has for them, not being filled with the love of God. Why? Because they will not force their thoughts to come captive to the obedience of Christ. God wouldn't tell you to do something you can't do. In Philippians 2.5, the Scripture says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. A different translation says it this way. You must have the same attitude, Christ Jesus had. Let the mind of Christ reign in your thoughts. You start thinking something. Is that how Jesus would think? You start thinking about something, pondering on it, meditating on it, just letting it stick in your mind. Is that really how God would think? Is that, is that the way Jesus sees that issue? Is that what Jesus would do? It's back to that old bracelet. Y'all remember that old bracelet? Some of y'all had that WWJD. Remember that trend, that fad? What would Jesus do? I've been telling you for years, it's not a mystery. It's not, it's not a question mark that the whole world needs to keep asking. The relevant question is, what did Jesus do, and are you willing to follow him? 
We know what Jesus, what Jesus would do if we know what he did because he's the same yesterday, for, today, and forever, and he never changes. And God commands us to have the same attitude. Well, you don't know what I've been through. The God that commands you to knows what you've been through. Well, you don't know what they did to me. The God that commands you to knows what they did to you. Well, you don't know how difficult it is for me. The God that commands you to knows how difficult it is. And he doesn't give you a hall pass because you've been abused. He doesn't give you a hall pass because you went through. He doesn't give you a hall pass because you got issues. The command of God is to all of us. You choose whether or not you'll obey him. It's the same from the very beginning. It's, it's the same all the time. It's the same from what God told the people in the beginning in the Old Testament. He said, I set before you a choice. Obey me and be blessed. Disobey me and be cursed. God has commanded us to bring our thoughts into captivity so that even our thoughts will obey Christ. Four people in the room just, just said, what about my dreams? If there were four honest people in the room right now, they'd raise their, they'd raise their hand. Who, who, who thinks, well, what about my dreams? Don't even raise your hand because I know you ain't that honest. Can you control your dreams? Let me tell you this. You saturate your, your mind with the things of God. You, you go to bed singing his praises. You wake up singing his praises. You go to bed thinking about him. You wake up thinking about him. Does that mean you won't have some warfare dreams? You might. But if you're deep, but, but if you're deep enough in the things of God, you know greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. If you keep your mind saturated in God's word, you, under, you understand that he always causes us to triumph. He gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. In Romans 12, 2, the Bible says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One version says, by changing the way you think. If you don't learn to change the way you think, your salvation is never going to give you peace, love, and joy like a river. You're not going to have streams of living water. You can read every book about spirit-filled living you want to. You can speak in tongues for five hours a day. But if you don't learn to let the Spirit of God control the way you think, you will never have the peace of the Holy Ghost. you got to get your mind renewed so that you can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Get away from what you think and get to the proof of what God teaches. It's time for us to fight the right battle the right way. It's time for us to bring our thoughts captive. I'm going to say this and I'm going to get out of here. It's hard for the heart to embrace what the mind rejects. I'm going to say it again. It's hard for the heart to embrace what the mind rejects. I'm going to say it again. It's hard for the heart to embrace what the mind rejects. That's why some people refuse to come to Christ. In their heart, they, they, they believe they should. They, they feel God urging them. But their mind keeps telling them no. Same way for Christians. It's hard for the heart to embrace what the mind rejects. You know that you need to start fighting the right battle the right way. But your mind keeps telling you, but what about sister so-and-so? 
you know you need to fight the right battle the right way, but your mind keeps telling you that you're justified in the way you live as you condemn others for the way they live or don't live. In, 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 your, in, your, in your heart, you know God says that you got to love everybody where they are. But your mind keeps telling you, well, I just don't understand that. Your mind is battling against your heart embracing the truth of God. See, the scripture tells us that we got to work out our salvation. <laughs> Church folk are too busy trying to work it in. Put this in. Add this to your life. Put this. No. Once you get saved, you got to work some things out. You got to work some things out. You got to get. You got to get your thoughts right, so that your heart can fully embrace all the things that God has already put inside you. It's in you. If you're saved, when Jesus said when He was leaving, He said, "I have to go away." But when I go away, the Father will send a Comforter, and He won't just be with you the way I've been with you. He'll be with you, and He'll be inside you. If you're saved, the Spirit of the Living God lives inside you. And he wants you to embrace the truth of God's word. But all those justifications in your proud mind that says, well, I know I'm right. Well, she shouldn't do that. He shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. The way, this is the way we used to do it. We never did it that way before. This is what I think. How do you not see all that is not what God has for you? How are you so busy always judging other people but never doing what God wants you to do in your own life? It's a trap. And I'm here to help you get out of that trap. It's time to fight the right battle the right way. Your battle is not what someone else did to you. Your battle is not wondering when God is going to fix someone else. Your battle, those are things you've let your mind believe, and that's causing your heart not to accept everything that God has for you. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to believe that God is real and that he can do in you what he has commanded us to have done inside us. He can take your thoughts captive. He can bring your thoughts into the obedience of Christ. He can. These weapons are in God. I'm not going to go through all of, all of the armor of God today, but I am going to tell you that we battle with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And all spiritual warfare starts with, is warred with, and ends with prayer. The Word of God and prayer. The Word of God and prayer. How much time do you spend in the Word of God? How much time do you spend in prayer? Now, I've met on rare exceptions people who claim they spend a lot of time in God's Word and people who claim that they pray a lot. But if that is not resulting in you having personal peace, love, and joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, if that is not equating to personal righteousness, personal peace, personal joy, then you probably hear me well are still in your sins and unsaved. If you can spend hours reading the Bible and only think of what others should do with it, that's a Pharisee problem. That's an unsaved problem. That's a person who's got God in their head, but not in their heart. See, Christianity is not about intellectually accepting the truth of this book. That's part of it. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity isn't giving mental assent to facts. 
Christianity is having a personal relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that changes you from the inside out. Why are you worrying about trying to change other people's outsides? Or even their insides? Think about this. When you get it all together, after you're perfect, and fully established in everything that God has for you. Then start doing that. Some people are smiling because they know you're not going to get there. Start fighting the right battle the right way. It's not what the system's done. It's not what the preacher did. It's not what mom and daddy did. Sure, all those things have an impact. All those things cause hurt. All those things cause pain. But don't we believe Jesus is a healer? Don't we believe that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? Don't we believe that he's real? If you believe that he loved you enough to die for you, then I'm going to ask you one more time, will you love him enough to live for him? To accomplish that, you're going to have to get your thought life right. You're going to have to reject some ways of thinking. You start thinking wrong, you just start quoting Scripture. You start thinking negative thoughts, you just start quoting Scripture. You, you, start, you start thinking about fighting somebody else's battle, you, you just start quoting Scripture. You, you start getting caught up in, in where everybody else is missing it, start quoting Scripture. And let the washing of the water of the word wash over your mind regenerate your mind renew your mind and change the way you think because if you ever really get to following God you're going to understand you don't have enough time in the day to worry about other people you're too busy loving on God and letting God love on you you're too busy letting God deal with your issues to worry about other people's issues and that's when true healing comes that's when transformation comes that's when life springs forth but as long as you're letting your thoughts contaminate your heart you are going to find it hard for your heart to embrace what your mind rejects God wants your mind to accept his word so it can get down into your heart and change you forever are you willing to fight the right battle the right way or do you just want to keep banging your head against the wall, fighting the wrong battle the wrong way? Think about the things of God. Saturate your life with the things of God. Get off the television. Get off the Internet. Stop playing games with the world and stop playing games with God and stop playing games with other people. And let this book, the God of this book, the spirit of the God of this book, begin to control the way you think. Because when you get your thoughts right, see, your heart is already, if you're saved, your heart's already right. If you're saved, you're right on the inside. You just got to get right upstairs. Got to get right in your life. But it's not my battle you need to be fighting or worried about. And it's not the other person's battle you need to be fighting or worried about. That's a trick. It's you. So fall in love with Jesus. Spend time with him. I can't imagine someone going to the doctor with a really bad ailment 
and the doctor come in and say, what's bothering you today? Well, before we get to me, uh, what about that guy that just left? He looked a little sketchy to me. What did he have going on? Well, how'd you diagnose him? What kind of medicine did you put him on? Because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm discerning, and I felt something about him. It's all a trick. It's a delusion causing you to think about the wrong thing so you won't fight the right battle the right way. You have weapons available to you. Dive into the Word of God. Start talking to God more about you than you talk to God about others. And watch what God will do in your life. Pray with me. God, thank you for your Word. God, I thank you for your Spirit. And I pray now in Jesus' name that you would release people from mental torture that you would release people from addiction difficulty strongholds, pride high minded thinking God that you would give us grace and humility God we agree that you alone are God you're the only judge and we ask you God to mold us and shape us Renew our minds, God. Change the way we think. And let our minds line up with our hearts so that we can follow you clearly with boldness and confidence. God, I pray that you would help us leave this place today more in love with you than we came in. God, I pray that you would help us leave this place with a renewed sense of purpose to be all that you've called us to be and do all that you've called us to do. We're your children. You're our Father. Guide us by your Spirit is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.